Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Join in on a great conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the latest tricks and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome to the Spotlight. I'm your host, Tony D'Urso. The Spotlight focuses on highlighting stars, greats, and game changers. We broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, so please set your calendar to hear from the world's elite. And today's Spotlight interview is with Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. But first, some news for you. With over 2 million downloads on my weekly talk shows, our audience is loving our guest interviews, and I just want to say thanks a million. Or actually, thanks 2 million. And I am now on television with the Tony D'Urso TV show. Check it out at TonyDurso.com slash TonyTV. I'd love to hear how you like it. And if you want to get on my show, fill out the form at TonyDurso.com slash TonyTV. All right. Today we set the stage for the spotlight to chat with Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. Now, Jessica is a public speaker, strategist, and published author. She designs and manages the only end-to-end culture design firm in existence, which is incredible. She and her team work with Microsoft, L'Oreal, Zappos, and many organizations who know that corporate culture is an irreplaceable competitive advantage. Let's find out more about this. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Spotlight, Jessica. Thanks, Tony. Good chatting with you. Jessica, it's my honor to meet you, and we all appreciate your taking the time from Designing Corporate Cultures to join us today on the Spotlight. <laughs> Thanks. This is my sixth call today, and I'm very still feeling great at life, so let's do this thing. <laughs> oh, sounds good. Okay, well, get comfortable, but not too comfortable. We're going to spend a little bit of time. We have a whole lot of questions, and we really like to understand First of all, what made you get into designing corporate cultures? Perhaps tell us your backstory and how you got started in this. Sure. So my backstory is that um, straight out of graduate business school and law school, I became a consultant, a man management consultant, as many JD MBAs do. And I went into uh, management consulting doing Lean Six Sigma redesigns and restructures. And I learned a really important lesson pretty early in my career, and that was that in the organizations where nobody cared, um, you could put better structures and you would get more productivity and better outcomes from those people. But in the organizations where people really cared about their work, throwing on new structures and new layers is kind of disruptive to those environments. And the people, you know, people don't want to be told how to do what they do when they're really passionate about it. And so, um, I saw, you know, and the statistics show that in, in organizations where it was really, you know, low morale and low productivity, um, those organizations would receive a productivity boost through a Lean Six Sigma restructure on the service layer. But that, that Lean Six Sigma service model just fell down when it came to people who cared about their work. And I said, you know what? There have got to be more people caring about their work and there have to be ways to serve those people and they should be able to do, you know, reach these new levels of productivity, reach these new milestones of innovation, but do it from a human centered design layer. Um, so I created that model <laughs> and here we are. Now, a lot of us know what a corporate culture is. Some of us think we know. And when you look at it, it's like, well, why is it so important in the first place? Why does it matter, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, corporate culture matters when you're in a really bad one, for sure. And I think it matters when you're in a good one, too. It's like, you know, you want to, I think you know what kind of corporate culture you have by the way you feel when you wake up in the morning and you're about to go to work. And so, like, in these really amazing companies, um, one particular stands to mind where they have a, a part of their corporate mantra is Love Mondays. And the rule is, like, you know, if you're waking up feeling good on a Monday and you're excited to go to work, that's exactly, you know, the kind of the kind of experience that they want to have. And, and companies with great cultures, um, they actually have higher productivity. They have 
uh, less health problems. Um, they have uh, 2x or above customer service and customer service driven industries. So, the, you know, the stats show that corporate culture is a huge competitive advantage. So, you know, the, the trick is really at the, whether the management layer understands this or not, because there is this management structure of, you know, beating people harder and forcing them to work more and stressing them out will lead to better profits, which is in the short term is true, but over the long term, people burn out and you get all kinds of horrible problems uh, with your workforce from turnover to health risks. And so, um, yeah, corporate culture is incredibly important. It's just, it starts with a management layer of really understanding that, you know, managers have to be leaders and lead people to feel better and do better in their work in the right ways so that you have that positive culture versus that negative management layer leading to the negative culture. That makes perfect sense. And I'd like to really drill this down. When I was in the corporate world, which was for many, many years, back then, you were not allowed to talk to someone about something that was not work-related. And if somebody walking by heard you say something, literally, that was not dealing with work, you would get written up and taken to HR. This was the corporate culture way back when. I don't know why it started, how it started, but this is, believe it or not, what I'm used to. And I'm, I know it sounds weird. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur and I've been on my own for a very long time, but I'm still so used to in the corporate world that people don't talk to each other about anything non-work related. And now it's shifted so much it is such a whole different world on a whole different planet. Can you take us into this and drill down what would be, however you want to do it, whether a good or a bad or the pros and cons or what one should expect from a corporate culture these days? Sure. It's funny what you just said, because, you know, that was the old power dynamic first and foremost in the old working world, right? And then now we have this new power dynamic that's shifted um, where... The, the, it's the employee that's actually in control because we have this huge gig economy and, you know, there's so many different ways for uh, people to make money. And then there's the millennial mindset, which is like, um, you know, less the, you know, more freedom and less the kind of safety of work. And, and really the safety of work has disappeared too. There's no longer a job for life anymore. So back when there was a job for life, you know, you, you kind of conform to the rules because that was the way it was. And now it's like, everybody's a 1099. So nobody feels that connection. You know, you have to have a connection in different ways and serve people. But that's just me on a tangent. Can you ask me the question again, Tony? Sorry. That's okay. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a long question in terms of how you wanted to find what is a good corporate culture today, whether you wanted to go into the pros and cons or how it should be, or what is an ideal corporate culture kind of walk us through so we can better understand I guess, how, how should it be for best productivity? Yeah, it's funny. I have um, clients generally start with that question, right? Like, what should my ideal corporate culture be? And, and it's an interesting question because there are consulting firms out there that have this ideal corporate culture model. And then if you take that model and you apply it across industries, it very quickly becomes obvious that the model breaks down, that there is no one right answer. And so I'm a firm believer in taking a, a really thoughtful and well data-driven approach toward an organization's long-term goals. So your long-term vision for where you'd like to go and then mapping through, you know, what people, what skill sets, what mindsets, what, you know, environmental reinforcement and what leadership skills and structures are needed to get you there. So in my mind, an ideal culture is really envisioned by the leader of the organization. Um, so an example of that is back when we were, uh, it was way back when Satya Nadella had taken over Microsoft and Microsoft is a client. And so um, Satya Nadella took over Microsoft and they were in a lot of trouble. And you, you know, their, their mantra to the marketplace was about their products and services. And he took the mindset of, let's start changing that conversation to be around meaning and purpose and people. And so that was his vision for the future. And so, you know, the culture at Microsoft at that time had been serving it not so well. And so, you know, tr transforming that organizational culture to be around people and doing meaningful work and servicing customers and having that 
um, you know, in, in the forefront of everything that you do. So from that example, an ideal corporate culture was one in which, um, and it's really, it's four quadrants and I've mentioned them. The four quadrants are mindset, environment, leadership, and then, um, community, community. So communities, formal and informal interactions between people at work. So ideal mindset is one of customer first, um, ideal collaboration and community design is one where people are maybe stepping outside of their, you know, their silos, their perceptual silos, physical silos, what have you, and um, working toward, you know, a more cross-functional approach for how can we serve our clients better, more, you know, uh, servicing customers versus just building products and services for, you know, the product and service being the end goal, having the customer be the end goal. And so working together more collaboratively toward that. Um, From a leadership mindset, you know, how do we bring in the customer to the forefront of our communications of, you know, how we're, you know, teaching and how we're training and and all of those things. And then um, from the environment standpoint, it was really about telling better stories across all of these um, digital platforms that they had inside of the organization and really getting, you know, getting people to, to be visually reminded of customers first um, because it's such a huge organization. That was, you know, how we had to define the um, the environment and help help redefine the environment. And then even through physical works of art were installed to help remind people. Um, so if you want to know what your ideal culture should be, going back to your question, I think you just have to start with what's my vision for the future and then think through how your environment can support that, how your uh, people's mindset should be in support of that, how people working together should be in support of that. Is it siloed work? Is it collaborative work? And then what leadership tools and skills can you bring in that could also be in support of that? Makes really great sense, Jessica. And again, I haven't been working in the corporate world for quite some time, but you know, you see it, you hear it. Today, people can choose their own hours. They can take a break when they need. They can go home to go take care of something or the child or whatever they have to take care of without any problem or fear. There's exercise equipment, there's games they can play, they can do darts, play all sorts of games, physical as well as computer games. It's changed so much. And when you look at it from just the surface, you go, how does this help productivity? How does this help the vision of the company, whether it's a software company or a hard product or service? And yet it does. Why do you think such... The only way I can say it is just the rules are so lax in terms of the employee, yet it seems to work. And you look at their numbers and it's like great growth every year. Why does this work so much? I laugh that you, it's it, from the outsider's view, the, the rules are so lax because there's a strange thing that happens when you put all those nap rooms and snack centers in the office is that people spend more time there. And so I have a friend who just quit from exhaustion, quit um, really <laughs> a job at Google, right? Because he said, I was there all the time and I was just there so much and I was working so much because when you have all of this at your hands, it's like, that's the trap. That's the trap is that you actually work more. And This is the spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Just ahead, the chat continues with Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Listening to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDURSO.com. Now, back to the Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on the Spotlight. As you heard, I'm on television with the Tony D'Urso TV show. Check it out at TonyDURSO.com slash Tony TV. I'd love to hear how you like it. And if you want to get on my show, fill out the form at TonyDURSO.com slash TonyTV. Today's show is with Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. Jessica is a secretary and member of the board of directors of the Bakehouse Arts Complex. It's an artist residency for supporting the future of excellence in the arts they're the crossroads to where great art is made in Miami and internationally. All right. And now back to the chat with Jessica. You know, I run trust-based organizations with very, very few rules and um, design them very, in all of the company, all of my companies, I, I'm, I'm in like, I have a bunch of companies. And so in all of them, I have, I have absolutely no rules. Everybody is aligned toward the right end goal and everybody's, you know, um, we keep each other in the loop and that's it. And people work so much harder when that's the case, because in the alternative format, whenever you've got this like nine to five job and you're, you're you know, you'd clock in, you clock out, you're not mentally clocked in during those nine to five, right? You're probably doing productive work. Like if most people are being honest, like 30 minutes to an hour every day is what I hear is the average for that. And so I think it's just about redesigning around productivity and having productivity at the heart and soul of what you'd like to do. And then if you design for that, you might end up with a nap room in your office. But, you know, that nap room is serving a purpose. I think when it goes wrong is when you have like these I see, you know, there was this idea that everybody needed ping pong tables for a little while. And I was like, this makes absolutely no sense because there's no productivity purpose for a ping pong table. So, you know, it's just it's like if it's well designed, um, a good environment can can trap you into extremely high levels of productivity if you're not careful. I see. So it's a trick to get you there just basically night and day because you love the place so much and you enjoy the kitchen and all the food and everything that you never leave. It's the first time I've heard of someone said that it was just so great that they just couldn't leave. I think that is hilarious. Right. I mean, if you really love your work and that's how it should be. Right. And so part of what, you know, what I help people with is learning how to redefine what they do so that they can love their work. But I really believe altruistically that we should be going to work every day, loving what we do. We spend way too much time at work not to feel great meaning and purpose. I mean, I know that you feel great meaning and purpose in the work that you do, Tony. I would love to know why you do what you do, actually. Thank you so much. Okay. well, first of all, it's a rough commute every morning. But I make it, it's about a 30-second commute from my bedroom to the office that I have where I have my studio. And believe it or not, as much as I have my nap room and my games and all my toys and everything, I work nonstop. I take probably five, 10-minute meal break once. 
all day aside from some coffees and all I'm doing is just working and I love it. I have complete, total freedom to work on my vision, my purpose, my long-term objective. I've created something called the vision map, which aligns your whole future and life with your purpose and your goals. And it's a free download, by the way. Anyone can get it at tonydurso.com slash vision. And I've got my purpose. I've got my long-term objective where I want to be in three to five years. And I'm like way, way ahead of the game on that. I've got my strategy and I'm so immersed in getting and creating my future that everything else just goes to the side for me. So I don't know if that really answers the question, but it's funny that in my world, it's just get stuff done because I love it because it's such a freedom. I'm unfettered to do what I want to do. And when I stop my work, no offense or anything, but when my wife comes home every day, whenever she comes home, I stop work. I end off hard stop pretty much until she goes to work the next day. And that's just kind of, it just works that way really well. I have all the time I want with my family and I have all the time I want with my work. And when you add it up, it probably isn't that much that I work outside of the 40 hour week, even though I work really, really long days nonstop. That's amazing. So I just downloaded the vision map. I'm really excited to get that in my email. And I feel really bad that you are such a good husband because I, you just made me realize that um, my boyfriend just literally walked into my house today, put flowers, he puts fresh flowers up for me. I was on a conference call the entire time. Um, he got a kiss and then he took out my trash and left. And I was <laughs> the whole thing. And I'm like realizing how, how lucky your wife has it and that maybe I should restructure some of my personal life because, yeah, I work from home if like unless I absolutely have to go into my office, I work from home because I'm I'm grinding so like 24-7 like you and just being at home, being surrounded in like a good environment gives you that ability to do that. And it's so funny. It's like you and I are both talking about corporate work cultures, but we're we're like both on the outskirts of humanity hanging out in our houses. But I I feel the same as you. I do so much more with extreme flexibility. And sometimes I'm up until three o'clock in the morning. And and um, yeah, I guess I'm just really lucky I have a supportive boyfriend because he's like, oh, you woke up at 11 today. okay?" And he kind of just like lets me alone. Boy, you're (laughs) sleeping in. You missed half the day at 11. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, then you're up until three, you know, creating a presentation. 3 a.m. is like it's like a good workspace for my crazy brain. So it just kind of works out. But anyway, back to corporate culture design. I just absolutely love that. But I've been with my wife. This December will be 26 years. Congrats. That's beautiful. And, and I just give her the time and recognize her as a very important person. And I just when she's home. I honestly, literally, it is so hard to work. I just can't do it because I feel there's things, you know, there's stuff, there's conversation. We have this never ending conversation. We started when we first went dating and we still haven't finished that conversation. It's kind of funny. One of my little (laughs) jokes. But what's so amazing is when you look at the corporate world and, you know, I've I've worked there for many decades. So, uh, you know, I'm not a newbie to the corporate structure over time, you know, you get your hour break, you get your whatever hour, you know, if my meal is prepared, I'll take five minutes to eat and that's it. It's just because it's a game. It's a race to get everything done that has to get done before she comes home. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. All right. Now back to you. I'm really interested in this corporate culture, maybe because you're talking to someone that I haven't worked at Google lately to get tired of all the perks. so maybe you could take me into what today okay a millennial or generation x whatever goes to work what is it that they're expecting to find in the corporate world today these days and that requires someone like you to help design that corporate structure sure that's a great question i think it starts first with market demand so if you want to know the companies that are most laser focused on cultures they are the companies that are um, have the greatest demand for a certain set of skills and skills tend to be technology skills right and so you know in silicon valley it's it is a 
fight to get good people. So corporate culture becomes just an one of the expectations um, of when you're, you know, you're hiring somebody new. It's like you have to give them a list of, you know, you get to you get this and you get this and you get this and you get this perk. And like I said, you know, the power dynamic has shifted. And that's a really interesting thing because, you know, a, a really brilliant um, blockchain technologist might not want to go and work in a nine to five job. They can go and start their own business. And so um, in industries where you're really in demand of certain skill sets, those are the companies that are, you know, really looking for how do we, you know, how do we transform our corporate cultures to be at the top of our game so that we can even just attract these employees. And then there are other companies that are, you know, in markets where they want to, like for Zappos, for instance, right? They, Tony Shea was an absolute genius in that he knew the value of making people happy would actually bring shareholder results. And so, you know, he wrote that book, Delivering Happiness. He stood by his word. He created this um, beautiful environment where, you know, people, it, more people apply for Zappos every year than apply for Harvard. And so it's like this place that everybody wants to be. And um, there, you know, there isn't any competition in his market, really. He's, you know, the only interesting employer in town. He's in Vegas. So, you know, you can go work at a bar or nightclub or go work for Tony. So it wasn't really for that reason. Um, he had a more altruistic view. And I think, you know, there are those leaders out there who have this um, very enlightened view of work as a platform for meaning. And those leaders are also, you know, very interested in corporate culture. Um, and then you see some industries where, you know, people just don't care for, uh, for whatever reason, if it's, um, I mean, Tony's running a call center, if you really think about it. And so who's trying to cater to a call center employee, you know, people consider them, oh, call center employees, they don't even think of them as people. But, you know, there, there are, um, there's a call center in Inc called Inktel down here in Miami, that's very laser focused on culture as well. And that's because of the transformational type of leader um, behind that company. So it really depends what, um, where you walk into what the corporate culture will look like. But I think, if you do walk into a company, you have to be very careful and pay attention to that corporate culture before you sign up for that company. Because if you sign up for a bad one, it can just ruin your life. You know, like you were always like you, Tony, you always remember not being able to talk about outside of work stuff. And it's like, you know, that those things can really damage your internal psyche and they damage your motivation and passion and productivity and all these great things. So um, walk into a culture where people are supportive of each other and um, collaborative and, uh, focused on results. I think that's my favorite type of culture, collaborative, uh, supportive and focused on results. And that's a great culture, but you know, I think everybody has to find their cultural fit. Um, it's like you, have you ever been a place that you, you just know you don't belong there and you're like, Oh, nope, shouldn't be here. <laughs> and it's just not a good fit for you. And so, you know, it just, it really depends. There's, um, there's a financial services company in New York that practices what they call radical transparency. And a very specific type of person loves working in this company. I, I know people who have absolutely hated it. Um, this radical transparency model states that you have to say your absolute truth. You cannot talk about anybody behind their back. You can, you have to say, you have to say to them to their face. And if you're caught talking about people behind their back or saying something not to that person twice, you're fired. So this radical transparency model is terrifying because you have people constantly criticizing each other. But some people <laughs> love that. They love to get that grow. But like I have well, that's okay in New York, right? Yeah, no, I have a girlfriend who's a, you know an extremely sweet and sensitive person, and she would come home crying every day. And after about two months, she quit. And I said, "Yeah, that was probably a good decision for you." And we, you know, we recommended that she not go work there for that reason. This is the spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Just ahead, we're going to find out more from Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. 
From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer, celebrity friends, and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. You're listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on The Spotlight. You heard that a majority of businesses fail. Don't be a statistic. Get my book free, The Vision Map. Beat the odds for your business success. Get it free at TonyDurso.com slash vision. And set up your own successful vision map. TonyDurso.com slash vision. Today's show is with Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. Among her many abilities, Jessica is the chief marketing officer for Digits, a payment processing platform that turns any debit or credit card already in your wallet into a cryptocurrency card that you can use anywhere. All right, back to the chat with Jessica. Yeah, like I said, there's no one right answer. There's no one corporate culture, but a corporate culture collectively are the is the environment, the practices, the mindset, and um, the structures of that organization. So if you walk into a dark, dreary company full of uh, those like um, tiny little square cubicles, then in, you've got, you know, then you get a sense of the culture. If you have um, management by, like you said, rules-based management, you get another sense of the culture. If you have um, these like clocking in, clocking out structure, hour for lunch between 12 and 1, you know what kind of culture that is. And the culture is the, is, I like to say it's what everybody agrees it is. It's like the collective practices, but then there's also like the water cooler practices. That's also the culture, you know? Makes great sense. And now as part of that, Jessica, I hear that you have a very disruptive consulting model. Can you tell us what that's all about? Sure. So end-to-end culture design is a model that is combines best practices from a holistic set of practices and puts them all together in this kind of wacky, freaky way where um, the culture can be changed and shifted and redesigned end-to-end. And by that, I mean... Um, the back end is Lean Six Sigma. So everything is measured and tracked so that we can quantify our improvement as we move through. But I fundamentally believe that um, consulting should not be done by consultants. I think consultants are data driven, operations minded people, which doesn't necessarily make them the best suited to be working with people and shifting an organization. So on the execution side, um, I employ creatives and marketers and creative tactics, marketing tactics, and um, fun ways of influence design. Uh, so shifting behavior and shifting mindset over time through influence triggers. And um, a lot of that work stems from the work over at BJ Fox Design Lab at Stanford. And so we train under BJ Fogg and we work with him to learn how to shift behaviors in organizations, which is uh, very disruptive. So um, no other consulting firm is doing this, and he is very protective over his work. Um, His work has created uh, Snapchat, Instagram, all these gamification systems that we find ourselves being addicted to. And so um, he's a very, you know, 
strongly minded person of doing altruistic good things for people. So he is in support of the work that we do and helps us with this work, uh, which is great. So it's a, it's a very interesting and unique model. And then I pull in, um, psychology, I pull in like uh, design thinking principles somewhat and also neuroscience. So you're not really find consultants looking at neuroscience so often or design thinking or creativity. And we even have cartoonists. <laughs> We're a consulting firm with a cartoonist, so it's it's different. But um, if you really take away all of the kind of businessy things that we do and just think about for people what makes sense, then that's the perspective that I operate from. So what makes the most sense and what's going to be the most effective technique for getting us to the end goal? Very clever, very brilliant, actually. And I'm beginning to get this. I'm not a culture design type person but I'm really starting to get what you do and how deep you go in getting employees to really fit in with that particular environment. And the challenge is it's quite something. At first, when you were going over it, I'm going, that's not very disruptive. And then as you're mentioning all those various points, I'm going, yeah, that's disruptive. Yeah, that's disruptive. And it's really quite something. In fact, you are the only end-to-end -end culture design firm in existence. Why is that? Yeah, it's strange. I, you know... Whenever culture became an important business term, I think it was the most used term of 2016, it was like all the big consulting firms launched this, you know, culture consulting, which was, it landed in some places as communications design packages. In other big consulting firms, it became like service delivery model reorganization. Um, I've not seen anybody really take a holistic approach to culture and really understand what it is and try to do the most effective thing for it, if that makes sense. I think, you know, as these business models arise, you know, consultants are great at selling hours. And so I think they look for ways to sell hours. And I quite hate the consulting model. I find that it puts the client and the practitioner at odds because the more hours I charge you, the more money I make. And so, um, yeah, I don't really know why consulting firms haven't taken a more holistic approach to what they do. I think they have big names and just sell those names and those packages. And then there are the boutique consulting firms that I've seen pop up in culture design recently, and they're really uh, creative agencies designed as a consulting model. Um, I, I think it comes down to like how many consultants really want to work with creatives and that alone is challenging. So I think you need like a crazy person like me to kind of step out of the consulting model and say, you know what, let's do something different. This is not working. And I think the more um, disruptive and radical minded people who have this organizational background um, come together, uh, I think the more effective, you know, we will be as a service delivery model in the consulting world. And um, there's a man named Benjamin Hardy, who's actually a collaborator on our team. And he's a PhD in organizational design. And he's kind of like a wacky, you know, person like us. He He's the most read author on Medium. And when he saw what we did, he said, oh, this makes perfect sense. And so it's, it's like, it's obvious. It's like a Beatles song. Whenever I tell you, you know, to like influence people through psychology and marketing and triggers and behavior change and gamification, and you go, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. But until you say it and you think about it, I don't, I don't think people are really accustomed to human-centered design practices just yet. And as we kind of train up and skill up in these areas, I think the future leaders will have to be human behavior design champions. I just firmly believe that. Absolutely correct. Let's take an example here. Let's take a leader, a company executive, listens to this and probably never thought much about his corporate culture or has and start seeing some holes based on this conversation we're having in this interview, what can a leader do now to start fixing, adjusting, modifying his own corporate culture? Sure. So the first thing that um, I always start with when it becomes the ex execution side of culture change with leadership is communication. And um, one thing you can do, I have a book coming out, actually, Tony, which is pretty exciting in August. It's going to release on, on Amazon. Um, my publisher just changed my book cover to an ugly book cover. But besides that, the book has got some really great, useful content in it. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's called The 10 Essential Business Communication Tools, Lessons from the World's Greatest Leaders. And so what I've done is combined all of the um, leadership communication skills that I've kind of, you know, trained up for leaders over time. And I put them into a, a practitioner's guide that any leader can learn to be a better communicator because 
communicating to your company is the fastest and most effective way to transform your corporate culture. And I actually started a communications agency, um, a separate company called Digital Unicorns, just around like, how do you become an, a digital unicorn? How do you, and a unicorn is somebody who is like, it's like the, you know, the big, the startup that really makes it, you call it a unicorn. So it's like, how do we become unicorn communicators? Um, but yeah, so it, it breaks down really, I would say communication. Um, and then look at your practices, um, your leadership practices, and just take a step back and ask, like, does this make sense? Is this in support of what I want? Because if you want, um, let's say, an innovative company, but you have a bunch of, um, you know, like SOPs where everybody has to do things a certain way, you have to recognize that you're not going to get innovation through SOPs. You can't write an SOP for people um, to innovate. And SOP is like a, Tony, it's like a standard operating procedure. So in these, a lot of these big companies, they hand you a book for how to do your job and they give you every step of like how to do your job. So that would be like me handing you a book telling you, um, get out of bed in the morning, brush your teeth within five minutes. Now go into the kitchen, eat breakfast and (laughs) crack your eggs this way and this and that. And so, um, yeah, those companies with these practices that aren't supportive of their um, big, hairy, audacious goals, um, that misalignment has to be corrected. And so that's where the big digital transformation and innovation projects that we do come in. It's just like, how do we, you know, get a, a big company to start acting like a startup in the innovation space? Is, um, that's an int- very interesting practice that we do. So anyway, getting back to it, I would say, yeah, look at your practices, um, look at your goals, figure out if that aligns or misaligns and um, start working toward change initiatives that get everybody on track to succeeding against your desired goals and um, communicate and communicate effectively. And effectively is not the most businessy way. It's the most effective way. Um, So in August, you can learn all about that. Well, I like that a lot and absolutely want to bring you back again. We'll talk more about your book at a later time this year or so forth or whenever it gets released. Totally agree on the communication. It is the senior most thing that any leader can do, and it can change the whole direction of the company by just one communication. I have seen that. But I got to say, back to my corporate world days, yes, we had SOPs and we had our manuals, and you had to do what was in your manual, and that was your job. It was just very draconian, and it, it worked back then. Today is so, so different. But yes, the leaders can change things very much, they just have to realize that there's something that they can change and direct and improve and that way to improve. So stay tuned for Jessica's new book coming out. And we'll hope to cover that later when that comes out so that you can get all this information and learn from these leaders. Now, that's the leader part. Okay. This is the spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Just ahead, Jessica shares more insights and her contact info. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on The Spotlight. As you heard, I'm on television with the Tony D'Urso TV show. Check it out at TonyDurso.com slash TonyTV. I'd love to hear how you like it. And if you want to get on my show, fill out the form at TonyDurso.com slash TonyTV. Today's show is with Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. Jessica is hands-on involved in branding and marketing for the Creative Mint, which is bringing ethically-centered children's learning to blockchain technology in order to fuel purpose-driven brands with creative currency. And now, back to the chat. Now, what about the employee who sees these holes in the corporate culture and not that it has to be like Google or very easy on the employee that way, but he wants to fix it. He wants to make changes and which he believes will improve productivity. What advice can you give the employees in the world today? Yeah, so um, the founders of our creative side coined this term back in the early days of the internet, and the term is called social objects. And the idea is that if you have something like an image, but then that image gets passed around, right, it becomes a social object, if it, if it kind of memification. So you, um, you can memify an image throughout your company um, that tells something very powerful that you want to say. And so that's how, that's why the cartoonist exists in the firm. Cause it's uh, like, you go back to the days of Dilbert, right? Dilbert was a guy who was um, drawing about corporate life inside of a company and, and sending out these funny cartoons, but those funny cartoons really were powerful because they stood for something. So if you're an, an employee at a company and you know, you collectively secretly don't, like a practice, there's a toxic work practice that's happening. Um, you, it's it's very uncomfortable to to step step out and say and speak up, but you can still you know create a meme and spread it around and get like-minded people to believe and um, make you know people who are doing the bad practice feel really uncomfortable. So that's a fun ninja way of like changing culture um, through digital spaces that we can utilize now. And I think cartoons are great. I love cartoons. I remember Dilbert and so many others through the ages. And they are very strong and powerful. And I think it makes it easier in the workaday world to have something like that. In fact, on my TV show, I use an animation as my little introduction teaser between commercials. It just seems to work. I don't even know why, but it just kind of worked that way. It's funny because each of my shows, I have three weekly talk shows. Each one is different theme works differently, focuses on something differently. But for the TV show, I chose cartoon. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, there's a there's a brilliant woman named Sridhari Desai, and she's a researcher. She's um, was formerly a researcher at Harvard. I think she's, I can't remember what, where she's at, she's teaching at now, but um, she researched the profound impacts of childlike objects on um, the neuroscience of a human being. And what she found is that when we are in the same experience with a childlike object, we actually behave more ethically. We um, are, have more veracity to tell the truth. And we can't help but bring our brains back to our childlike selves in certain ways. And so there's nothing wrong with bringing childlike objects into the, into the business world. You know, um, she even found that when there were, um, and I think it was the finance industry. She did this study when she put the presence of childlike objects in the people's offices, they were less likely to, um, to lie and, and more likely to behave ethically in their daily work, which is really funny. Is that why I like toys? 
Yeah. <laughs> for, for the longest time, I don't know why, but I used to have all these tiny little toys of cars and helicopters and stuff on my desk. There was just so many. Eventually, when I moved, you know, moved around, I, I had to get rid of them. But it was always so much fun to just have these little things around. I don't even know why. I guess you're explaining it to me. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I think a lot of guys like those little toy cars. I tend to see those in a lot of uh, executive offices. So I think you're not alone on that one, Tony. There you go. Very interesting. In fact, that was how I got my first Mercedes was I bought the little Mercedes cars. And I used to tell people, this is my future car. And I used to play with it. I know it sounds funny and silly. I actually eventually bought and had a custom made Mercedes SL500, blah, 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 with all the doohickeys on it. It was cool. But it really works as part of visualization and so forth. You know, I know someone who had various models around him of various exotic cars and so forth and wound up getting those because I think that actually goes from play to the real world. Uh, for whatever reason, it just seems to work. Yeah, no, you and I, it's not silly. You and I are both big fans of visualizing your goals. And um, so it's not silly at all. I make, you know, for my personal productivity, I make a list of to-dos on a physical piece of paper every single day. And I cross them off one by one. And I get this huge sense of satisfaction from doing so. And that's actually the secret of my productivity. And on the days I'm feeling unproductive, I go, uh-oh, I know what's going on. And I look and my paper's not there. And I'm like, okay, we got to get this together. And I sit and I make my list and right on my paper. Visualize, visualization is extremely important. There's that story about Jim Carrey wrote himself a million dollar check and carried it around his pocket for years and years when he was like dead broke. And then he did uh, um, Ace Ventura and made a million dollars and he like could cash his check to himself, you know? That's really something. You know, what's funny is on the vision map, there's, it's a free book download and that's from years and years and years of experience. That's not just something I wrote in one day. That is years of hard-won experience that I give to the world free. Well, there's an audio reading of that that I have as part of that. There's an audio reading. And then there's a training video, an hour and a half. And in that training video, Jessica, I show exactly how I get so much done and accomplish so much and it's exactly what we just said in here. And I show you actually photographs and visual of my sheets, how I work things out, and the goal of crossing off things off of my list of things to do and how that works. Very interesting because that is, I think, the extreme key to enormous productivity. Absolutely. We got that. We both got our lists. <laughs> it works. It works. That's one thing. Wherever we learned it from, it was a good thing to learn. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who first came. I think it was, I think that it did not come from the Rockefeller principles. It's funny, I utilize Rockefeller principles for um, leadership management and productivity because um, they're just so darn effective. But I can't quite remember who came up with this listing process. But you're, you're absolutely right. It is one of those management principles that's often taught. And I wish it was taught more. I think I stumbled it upon accident. Well, not really. I mean, I've worked in the corporate world for a long time. I've worked for a lot of people and I've done a lot of things. But, you know, and I haven't tried everything because there's more, but every single program, software, you know, thing to monitor your productivity. I tried so many things on the computer, on the desktop. I can't tell you how many I've tried. And what happens is, you have to move them off your computer to get work done. They have to minimize them. You have to close the file. You need bandwidth. You need whatever. And it disappears off your radar. And I found through trial and error, I got so much less done by using somebody's program to increase productivity than if I just took a pen and a paper and drew a line down the middle of my uh, legal sheet here and just start writing down everything that had to be done. And cross them off when it gets done. I got so much. And you know what? In the case of a power failure, it's still there. In the case of a blackout, it's still there. Anytime I need, I pull up that sheet. Here's what I have to get done. And, you know, what I do is it's quite a lot to have accomplished the shows and the downloads. And it's, you know, there's no magic bullet. It's not just some, you know, magic spell or anything like that. It's actual hard work. But in an organized fashion, getting things done one by one by one, just like I asked you before earlier, what tip would you give on 
getting so many social media followers. Your your followers are incredible. And <laughs> and you explained it. You was like, you know, you gotta work at it. I mean, I knew that answer. <laughs> no, it's yeah, and you know, we you and I are entrepreneurs, so we don't have anybody to tell us what to do. And honestly, you know, I most people don't wanna have our lives. They wanna go to work every day and have somebody tell them what to do. And I totally get the safety of that because I have to be my own boss and like there are days that I'm working at the best company on earth and the days I'm working on the worst company on earth because I like beat myself up at times just because there's so much to tackle as an entrepreneur on a daily basis. You're absolutely right. But going back to my social media following, I have an excess of a million social media following online and um, I'm constantly developing new audiences and I'm constantly, I, you know, I think what it is, how, you know, you asked about social media following, it's really, I love First of all, the internet is made for introverts and I'm an introvert. And so I had all these ideas in my head for so long and I had no way to really express myself. And then I found social media in its early days and I was like, yes. So I used to be an influencer on MySpace, if you can even remember way back when. And, oh, wow. and wow. you could, oh my gosh, those early days, you could connect with celebrities and it was like this wide open platform. It was so exciting. And I really honed the craft of like connecting with other people. And so how you can grow your social media following is like you said, I think, you know, step one is work at it every single day, right? Work at it. It's social media is not gratuitous. It's a job. So you have to push content every single day. I blog every day and people say, how can you possibly do this? And I post on social every day and I'm constantly updating, updating. But rule number two, when it comes to the content is it never make it about you. Make it about connecting with other people. Because if you're posting something that's the audience is for you, then you're not really posting something on social media. It shouldn't be posted. You should be speaking to your audiences, giving to your audiences, telling stories for your audiences, entertaining them, delighting them. Do something for them that makes them feel good and want to share you with their friends. And, you know, it's funny when I walk down the street, I get uh, people yell by my social media name. They'll yell at me. Hey, JessicaHiggins.co. <laughs> because, um, you know, I build, I build communities online. So uh, right now I'm marketing a cryptocurrency company and I'm pushing content to cryptocurrency market. So I understand my end user is a 25 to a 35 year old boy on his computer making money on the internet and he's excited about life and he's writing the highs and lows of volatilities. And I'm speaking to those audiences and building those communities now, you know, and I've built over the years, business communities, travel communities, and all types of people that I kind of connect with. And, and I'm really looking for people who are um, forward thinkers like me, and I'm reaching out to them. And I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it so that I can have this community around to support me and have these brilliant people in my life to, um, to really entertain me too. And so, yeah, if you want a big social media following, you have to be willing to give to others and, and help them online. And that's when people will really connect with you. Or you can just buy a bunch of those bots. <laughs> buy those. <laughs> buy a bunch of bots. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how to buy a bot to increase my social media because that's something new for me to learn. But for everyone else on social media, I think that is a great lesson there. If you make it more about others and helping others, and that is a great giveaway. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jessica. That is good. I could see a lot of utility in just that one statement. That's powerful. Yeah. My mission in life is to help others. So, um, with that being said, if anybody wants any advice from me whatsoever, please reach out to me, jessicahiggins.co, jessicahiggins.co. Um, Higgins is a pretty common name. So I think everybody knows how to spell it. H I G G I N S. And Jessica is pretty common too. And the, then you can also um, reach out to me, um, Jessica, at uh, culturedgroup.com. That's cultured slash group.com. And, and any questions you have, any type of way that I can advise or mentor you, I love helping other people. Um, so it's, it's my goal. And I would love to you know, help anybody and serve them if I can. Well, that's a perfect segue. I was just about to ask for your contact information. So thank you so much for providing that. Now we know how to get a hold of you. That's very good. <laughs> JessicaHiggins.co. Yeah, I already threw that out there. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Great. Well, again, such a great, amazing interview with Jessica Higgins, organizational culture design expert. I loved it. It did so much for me, especially from working way back when in the corporate world and seeing what's happening today. 
It helped me with in being an entrepreneur in my social media. I'm going to redesign. I'm going to take a good look at my culture as well, my organizational culture, because, you know, it's not just your physicality of where you work. It's also, I think, your social media and everything about you, including your website, I think, defines one in terms of their corporate culture, organizational culture, excuse me. And I'm going to actually take a look at that as a result of this interview. And I encourage everyone else to do that, too. Yay. Yeah. Remember, making people happy makes them more productive. Just remember. (laughs) Happiness is good. Write that down, everyone. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for sharing this with us, Jessica. And to our Spotlight audience, thank you. It's our honor to have you listen. All right. Keep your focus on success, and I'll see you next on The Spotlight. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend.